Hello and welcome back to the TTP, the Tani Talks Parsha, the year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We are here in Parsha's Tazrion as we make our way through the Sefer of Vayikram, talking about different aspects of impurity, of course, the Parsha talking about, starting with talking if a child is born, a male or a female, and then there's impurity. And then it goes on to talk about if there is an affliction of the flesh. Common translations talk about how tsaraas is leprosy, but many commentators explain that that's not really an accurate explanation. It's not really a proper explanation because it's not someone who is a leper. There's a lack of a better term, so we use that. But really, here there is an affliction of the flesh, and it has a different type of look. The hair may or may not have turned white. There might be different hairs that are different colors in that spot. It comes about on the person, but really, who does the person go to when such a thing happens? He does not go to a coin. It's not a physical medical condition when there's a leper or leprosy. It could be something that could be contagious and you could go to the doctor to try to take care of it. But here, a person who has the tsaras is not technically contagious. We do have to quarantine him away from the camp for isolation as sort of a punishment to keep him away from everyone else. But technically, it's really a spiritual malady. It's really a spiritual affliction that he has to go to the kohen, the spiritual leader to take care of. The coin has to look, has to see the tsaras, has to see what's going on. The tsaras can happen to the clothing, it can happen to the house, and it can happen to the person. So clearly, it's not a medical or a physical condition that the body is reacting to. It is a spiritual type of a condition. And the commentators point out that one of the reasons that someone gets saras is because of Lashon Hara, or Motzishemra, or Rechilas, but really talking evil about someone else, talking bad about someone else. The person that causes the word, that causes evil words to become between a husband and a spouse, between a wife and a husband, between parents and children, between friends, that person doesn't deserve to stay in the camp. That person doesn't get to live in the camp, doesn't get to stay in the camp. He has to go and he has to, quote-unquote, quarantine outside the camp, outside the Kohanic portion, outside the Levite or Le- the Le- Levian portion, outside the Israeli portion. He's all the way at the edge. And we know that the special Haftorahs are about the four lepers, the four Saras people who had, had Saras and they, they weren't allowed to come to the camp and then they... they they tried to figure out what to do, and, and there was a whole idea of the, the prophet explaining how the seah of, of flour, how it's going to be a certain special price, and they weren't believers, and then he said, I believe it was Elisha, said that you're going to see it, but you're not going to partake of it. And so, behold, actually, the, the they went to chase out the camp of the enemy, and there was so much food that it was that price, and they were trampled to death. They didn't see it. Of course, one of the other Haftorahs talking about Saras is about the general Naaman, and he doesn't see how to, how to figure out how to stop the affliction. And he goes about and does many different things. And his servants say to him, you know, there's a prophet in Israel, I believe also Elisha, who could probably help you. Maybe he could heal you. And Naaman doesn't want to do it. He's an Jewish general. He doesn't believe in the man of God. And the servants say, if you were going to go across the world to do X, Y, or Z, if he tells you anything that's easier to do, whatever you could do, aren't you going to do it? He goes and seeks the, the advice of Elisha. 
and Elisha tells him to go to the river, I believe the Yardin, and to bathe in it a couple of times. And lo and behold, Naaman is healed. Huge Kiddush Hashem. And Naaman asks, what do you want? Elisha refuses payment, which is an even greater Kiddush Hashem. But the problem is, Gehazi, his attendant, who's one of the people that do not have a share in the world to come, the Gemara points out, I believe, in Parakzelik and Sanhedrin, there are four kings and, and three Hedyotos, or vice versa, of people who don't get Olam Haba. Gehazi was his attendant, who time and again showed through different examples how he was a little bit greedy, a little bit too selfish, and he goes and after Elisha doesn't take any payment, makes a huge Kiddush Hashem, he goes back to Naaman saying, really, we do want a little renumeration, really, we'll take a little payment, and he did totally distracted from the beautiful Kiddush Hashem with the greediness. Gehazi also is sent by another time by Elisha to revive the boy, the Shunammit woman who used to pass through the neighborhoods, when Elisha used to pass the neighborhoods, excuse me, and she made a special air him for the in the attic, the bed, the table, the lamp, and the chair. And Elisha would always come. And, and one time he said to them, what are you lacking? And through Gehazi, he said, what are they lacking? And Gehazi said, they don't have a child. So he said, next year you'll have a child. The child grows up at seven years old, Lolenu. The child says, my head hurts. The, the dad says, bring him to the mom. And he passes away. The woman is totally distraught, rightfully so. She wanted this child for so long. And the child is taken away from her. So what, what happened? So Alicia is is told about the situation. She comes to visit him. Special, not Shabbos, not Yom Tov. The, the husband says, it's not Shabbos Yom Tov. Why are you going to visit him? And Alicia says, there must be something aggrieved about her. I don't know. So the, the he finally figures out what it is. She she explains it, and Alicia tells Gehazi, go straight to the house. Go to the child. Use my staff. Don't talk to anyone here or there. Lo and behold, Gehazi goes, and it doesn't work. The commentators saying that he was going on the way, and he would meet people, and he would say, this is the staff of Alicia. I'm going to use it to revive the child. He couldn't keep the secret. He couldn't keep it quiet. So he didn't merit to do so. Alicia had to go himself to put his hands on his hands, his hand on his, his eyes on his eyes, and literally breathing the life into the body. Of course, it's a Kiddush Hashem. And of course, it's a beautiful, beautiful miracle, major Tchit Mason, but of course, everything is done in a natural means, seemingly through natural means, just like when just like when the sea split and one of the, the princes had to jump in, and, and the water was up to his neck, then the water split, Hashem brought a wind made with the major ten miracles in Egypt also, Hashem made it look in a way that it was a natural means. Hashem does that often, where he'll bring a miracle, but it does it through a natural means. So interesting here, we're talking about the tzaras. It's interesting to remember that it's a spiritual malady. It's a spiritual affliction. The kohen is the one that needs to take care of it. The kohen is the one that has to solve it. And the kohen is the one that helps, because it's not a medical, physical condition. It is the spiritual condition. And in our lives, we see this problem all over the place. There is such nasty rhetoric, such nasty words, such nasty usage of all types of speech, especially Motsi Shemra spreading rumors about people, Rahila spreading nasty things about people, Lashon Harjah spreading evil talk. We know that one of the Beis Hamikdashes, one of the temples, was destroyed because of sinachinam, baseless hatred. They were doing many, many mitzvahs, many great things, but they could not get away from the baseless hatred. Because of that, the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. The commentators point out 
that if the base of Migdash was not rebuilt yet today, that means that in every generation we have the same problem and that it wasn't solved. It's as if the generation destroyed the base of Migdash again. If the, every generation passes and the base of Migdash wasn't rebuilt, it's as if they destroyed it again. And if it was destroyed because of Sinachina, one of them, that means that the problem is still here. And if the other base of Migdash was destroyed because of Avodazar and Shvichastamim and and the riots because of immorality, bloodshed, and idol worship, that means on some level those things are still here. There's major immoral things around the world. Very easy to see that major bloodshed, and it's not just bloodshed, but even embarrassing someone in public is as if you're killing them. The Gemara says you have to avoid that at all costs. You think about the Yehuda and Tamar episode. Tamar was about to be burnt at the stake rather than embarrass Yehuda, her own father-in-law, in the last minute. She got she asked for the items and they were found. But Marokva and his wife also rather jump in a furnace than let the charity of the person that they gave it to understand where it is. And that's easy to see, those three things. So, Vodazar Shvich and Arias are easy to see. And the idol worship, it's not just idol worship of looking at the stones and bowing to an Asherah tree, passing a child for the Moloch, God forbid. Any type of worship, the worship of money, the worship of fame, the worship of quote-unquote role models who are not even the role models you should have. We have a whole episode about that. Who is a real role model anyway on the Tani Talks live show, which can be found all over the place on Naki Radio and Jewish Podcasts out of them, Yidpod, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all over the place. We talk about what a real role model is. And if you're worshipping the wrong thing, if you're idol-worshipping the wrong thing, that means that idol-worship is still here nowadays. That means it's still around. Unfortunately, it hasn't been taken care of yet. In every generation, if the base of Midrash wasn't rebuilt, it's, it's as if it was destroyed again. So if Shvich and Lavodazara and Gilead Arias was one of the reasons for the base of Midrash being destroyed, that means it's all still around and we have to fix all of that. If the Sinachinim was a reason that it, the second base of Mishra was destroyed, that means it's still around. How do we fix it? What do we do? How could we go about it not to have all of these things, not to have any spiritual maladies or, or lacking the divine presence or lacking the temple in our days? The, and the commentators explained way before me. They said if the problem was Sinachinim, then the solution is Ahavat Chinam. Ahavat Chinam, proper love proper joy for another person, proper respect for another person, just because they have the divine spark, just because they have the Tzalem Elohim, just because they're a Jewish person, or even a non-Jewish person, that God made them and they're created and they're here. If Lashon Hara is the problem and can lead to Tzara'as, of course we don't have Tzara'as nowadays, but of course there could be different maledictions and different things that can happen. Easily can see how a person can be shunned in society, his whole reputation can be lost, his whole family can be lost, his whole livelihood and his friends can easily be lost. So if Lashon Hara is a problem, the solution could be Lashon Tov, speaking nicely about other people, being down the cuffs chus about other people, looking for the benefit of the doubt in other people, doing the opposite of the problem may be the solution. If Motsi Shem Ra is a problem, bringing out a bad name about someone, spreading rumors about a person, Motsi Shem Tov could be the solution, bringing out good about another people, looking for the good in people, looking for the positive aspects. Oh man, he's so stingy, but for his family, he is so generous. Oh man, he never helps me or gives me the time of day. 
what? This week he was able to give me an hour of his time? That is awesome. Motzi Shem Tov. If Rechilas is the problem, spreading nastiness, then the solution would be spreading good, spreading cheer, talking with people, interacting with people in a wonderful way. Birkeyalis teaches, heavy mekabalat kola adam is saver panam yafos. Greet every person with a cheerful countenance, with a beautiful face, and with a beautiful interaction with people. Greeting everybody, Besimcha, Pirkeos also says, as Shammai talks about, you know, make Torah your, your fixed practice and greet everyone with a smile. Greet everyone with generosity and with happiness and with positivity. And when I say everyone, I really mean everyone. I can't talk, I can't preach about something if I don't do it myself, so I will tell you, everyone I try to interact with, whether I'm calling Amazon customer service or the security guard at my son's school or the crossing guard near my son's school or the barista or the, the laundromat person or the bank teller, I try to say, good morning, good afternoon, how are you today? What is your name? Do you know that there are many times when people said, you know, never, no one ever asks me how my day is going. You know, no one ever asks me what my name is. They just think I'm a drone here in the middle of Yahapits, in the middle of Nowheresville, USA, or Nowheresville, India, or Antarctica, or wherever people are, even if they're not around. Being able to talk to someone with proper love and respect for one another, interacting with every person, baking a Kiddush Hashem as much as possible, this could be the solution. This could be the way that we could bring back the Beis HaMikdash, Ahavad Chinam, baseless love for every single person. Baseless respect for every single person, not talking in passive-aggressive ways, not talking in aggressive ways, not talking in attacking ways and bothering people in different ways, just interacting with people in a nice manner, in a good manner, dealing with people in the right way, giving them the time of day. Just because a person is not a yeshiva shabachar doesn't mean they don't deserve the time of day, the respect and the love from each person. Everyone has what to contribute. Everyone is unique. There's only one person exactly like you, never was, never will be, and never is right now. Someone exactly like you, even your identical twin. Every single person has what to contribute. You think about the pasik, you think about the name of a person. My name, for example, is Nasan Mordechai. Teaches me, Tani is my nickname that I go by, even though legally my, my name is a different name, but we're not going to talk about that. So Nasan Mordechai, he gave, and Mordechai, of course, the hero of the Purim story, someone who stood up to become a leader in the time. So that guides me to think, what can I do to give? What can I do to be a leader in my own Dalai Ramas, in my own way? My Pasi talks about, Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam the candle of Hashem is the guardian, is the soul of the person, and I'm seeking it all day. How can I find the Torah of Hashem? How can I bring it to be a, kind, a kindling in my own soul, to light the fire in my own soul, the passion of my own soul, and my other pasig Ma'ahafti Torah, how much I love your Torah, Hashem. Kol Hayom Hisi all day I talk about it. Isn't it interesting how I have a, such a pension, such a love for audio, for radio, and I want to do that. And that's what I do. I do my five shows. Tani Talks Parsha is one of them. Tani Talks Life is another one. And Tani Talks Daf. Tani Talks Perke Avos. Tani Talks O2. We have five different shows for five different venues to getting out a different message. Whether it's a Mishnah day or the Parsha of the week or a little Daf Lesson Yomi a day or a little OT tip functional way of, of 
going about life from an occupational therapist's perspective. We're talking about a topic per session, really trying to find how we talk about Torah. If we can use our words and have love for people and love for Torah, love for the world around us, love for Hashem and love for the existence of things around us, the whole world could be better because we're looking at the spiritual. Of course, we're living in a material world, but the spiritual is behind it. The Pasuk tells us the Kohen is involved in the appearance of the Tsaras. The Kohen is the one who's involved because it is a spiritual situation. And there's so much spiritual negativity and there's so much metaphysical and metaphorical and literal and figurative negativity around the world. It's so easy to see so much negativity. If the base of Magdash was destroyed because of all this, especially Sinat Chinam and negativity, the solution has to be, has to be, to have Avad Chinam, to have baseless love. Proper love, spread the love. Spread the respect for one another. If you work like I do in a non-Jewish place, why should it be that you keep to yourself and you don't affect those around you? I've had many conversations with many coworkers, especially in my current placement in the middle of Queens, about what Judaism does and how we look at the relationship with Hashem, how we look at the relationship, what Sabbath is about, what the holidays are about, how we have our 24 books in the Tanakh, how we have the Talmud, how we go about things, and they see, I try to be a giving person, I just ordered lunch today for myself, and it came to the school, but I didn't just order for myself, I, I had two co-workers join me, because it's a kosher place, I asked the two Jewish co-workers to join me, one of them religious, but I also... I saw that another co-worker wanted to order something, but I didn't get it in in time. So instead, an extra bagel I wasn't going to use, I gave it to her. The extra tuna fish I wasn't going to use, I was going to give it to her, because that is a way we could do Kiddush Hashem. I ordered a bag of bagel chips, and I dafka specifically gave it to them, because I don't need it. Wow, the Jewish people are so nice, are so giving, are so kind. Really, what a wonderful culture that they learn this. I wonder where it comes from. Their God, the God, the one God in his Bible and his Torah teaches them wonderful things. This is something to look into. And when we had Purim, we had leftover candy. I didn't throw it out. I gave it to a family here in my neighborhood, in my town. After Purim, they have a beautiful idea, a beautiful initiative where they collect leftover nosh, leftover candy, and they give it to Yachad, they bring it to the Yachad Shabbaton, and they give it to those who could use it, and it doesn't go to waste. What a beautiful concept. So I gave a bag to Yachad, kept a few items for herself, and then a big, big bag I brought to work, and I said, please, enjoy. I put some of my flyers around it also of my shows, so people would know that it's something free that we try to do to help people, these five different shows, and gave away all candy, all food items, and people said, this is a wonderful thing. What is this about? Why are you doing this? And I said, why should I be the only one that gets cavities, God forbid? Why should my kids be the only ones that get cavities? But all joking aside, we want it to be that we're a giving lifestyle, we're a giving personality, we're a giving Judaic tradition, we're giving people. And giving doesn't just mean with physically giving, but it means giving also spiritually, giving with words, giving with our actions. If we could figure out how to make the world a better place, a more beautiful place, spreading the love, spreading the message, spreading the interactions with every single person you meet, every single person you call, every single person you talk to, that is a way to spread the Lashon Tov, to spread the Avat Chinam. I really like it when you can interact with people and talk to people. I got an email from Amazon Customer Service the other day saying it was really nice of you. They used my legal name, but it was really nice of you, Tani, to speak and to, and to interact and ask me about my day and ask me my name. No one ever does that, and it was a real pleasure interacting with you and solving your issue that you had. It is much easier to get things done when you 
talk in a soft-spoken manner, in a non-aggressive manner, in a non-passive-aggressive manner. You want to get things done, don't yell at people, don't scream at people, don't demean people. Don't be nasty and passive-aggressive with text messages and WhatsApp and emails and, and voicemails. That's not going to accomplish anything. You want to be a bully, go ahead. You're not going to accomplish anything. You want to be nasty and narcissistic, go ahead. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're going against the grain of what we're trying to do to fix the world, to fix the problems, to bring back the base of Mingdash and the temple, to bring back what we had in the Mishkan, having the Avad Chinam, the best way, by the way, to respond to a bully, to respond to an aggressive person, to respond to a narcissist, is to not answer at all. Or to answer in a very soft-spoken manner. You can, a soft-spoken word can push off even the harshest words. Do you know, in my work, in my public school, the other year I had a very difficult boss, a very narcissistic boss, a very egotistical boss, I would say. Somehow became a, a principal overnight from a para. I don't know how that happened. Don't ask me. But she was very demeaning, very nasty to me, and was really bullying and very, very harsh with her words. The opposite of Ahavat Chinam, real Sinat Chinam, for no reason picking on me, basically hazing me and telling me, you have five minutes to show me the written work or else I'm going to call the parent. Not heard of in the OT town. In OT town, you know, we work with the hands. We work with scissors and crayons and coloring and cutting. I don't have the written work. We have different projects we work on, but she's asking crazy things. If you don't take him, when I tell him to take him, then you're not doing the right thing. I'm going to call the parent. So a natural inclination would be to rise up and to respond in kind, to yell back, to be aggressive back, to go against the nature, against your midos is very difficult. But that's what we're supposed to do in this world. We're supposed to be working on our traits, working on our midos, working on ourselves. So it took a lot of willpower, a lot of manpower in my life dealing with different members of family and friends over the years and, and with bosses over the years. is very difficult to respond in quiet or calm manners or respond in a soft-spoken manner or not respond with any words at all. Very difficult, but that's something we have to work on. It all comes back to the idea of taras. Taras comes from Lashon Hara. Of course, there are other sins, but a major one, a famous one, is Lashon Hara. If we could do Ahavad Chinam, Lashon Tov, talking in a nice way, in a soft-spoken manner, spreading the love, spreading the message, spreading the ideas, maybe we could finally be Zohar to have the third Beis to finally have peace in the world and beautiful things in the world. And if we go about interacting with people with positivity, with a cheerful face, with a smile on our face, maybe... Maybe we could finally have a beautiful existence, a beautiful spiritual existence around us, and maybe we could finally have Mashiach coming with the building of the third base of Midrash. May it so be today, and may that come right away. This has been Tani Talks Parsha, the TTP, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.